Hello and welcome to Case Reopen, your number one Detective Conan rewatch podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Treese, and joining me as always is the one, the only, Colleen. How are you on this fine day? Oh, swell. Just swell. You know, it's not often on Detective Conan that we get to advance the plot, or at <laughs> least uh, go back and fix an episode from like two years ago. That's right. Mistakes were made. Definitely some mistakes were made. We're going to be covering the Black Organization 1 billion yen robbery case, which basically is the anime fixing episode 13. And then we're also covering a Kushoyama short story special, uh, The Ten Planets in the Night Sky. Uh, last week I accidentally said it was played again, but we'll cover that on a future episode. Uh, so this one features Baby Shinichi, and we, we certainly didn't want to miss that important baby action no i feel like this is just as pivotal to the plot as the uh black organization episode yeah you know this is deep lore of shinichi as a toddler and we definitely don't get that often yeah so i'm excited yeah let's actually kick off with this this was a little short episode it's about 10 minutes long it's on the like second gishoyama short story special at least in 1999, The Ten Planets in the Night Sky. Have you ever seen this before, Colleen? Or was this all new to you? No, it was my first time. I've, I've only seen pictures of baby Shinichi. And I thought, aw, he's such a cutie. He's wearing this little, like, onesie outfit. And I was like, man, this is going to be a, a good time. He's an absolute cutie pie. He is. Yeah. Well, he and his mom are, like, sporting the same outfit. Both onesies. Well, hers is more of a... I don't know, biker suit, but... Yeah, yeah Shinichi has a drift. biker outfit on. Very cool, baby. How old do you think he is on this? Like, 2.30? <laughs> Something like that? Well, he's not talking yet. Yeah, I'll give him, like, two, maybe. He's walking around. He's asking for stuff. The special begins with Shinichi's mom, Yukiko, riding a motorcycle with a baby Shinichi in the sidecar. She was previously an actress, but now she's a self-described doting mother and the wife of mystery novelist Yusaku Kudo. She then arrives home and takes Shinichi up to an apartment where six of Yusaku's editors are waiting. Turns out that Yusaku ran away despite being on deadline, and Yukiko notices a makeshift rope out of sheets that he made in order to scale down to a lower floor. Uh, I found this very entertaining, that he's just really pissing off his editors, something he continues to do in the main series. <laughs> I loved it. I, I kind of wish that we had seen and got a peek at that uh, that scene where he was running away. Because um, he comes off as a really kind of, when you actually see him, uh, he comes off as a very kind of serious guy. He takes uh, his job seriously. Although, I mean, he goofs around, but like I don't know if I could picture him scrambling down this makeshift rope. So uh, it's a, it's a very... A funny thing to imagine. The editors tell Yukiko that her husband left a message for her. Yusaku tells her, Please play this tape to my beloved Yukiko. Ten planets will take off into the night sky. I will wait for you next to them. So that's all he says. There's not much to that message. Did you pick up on any messages there? Any hints? Uh, not really. Uh, to be honest, I thought that even the first sentence was going to be part of the, the clue. It totally wasn't, so I felt dumb. 
Yeah, so did I. That's why I wrote it, the whole thing out. Because originally I just wrote the last two sentences, and I was like, you know what? Knowing Detective Conan's, you know, layering, that first thing will be a part of it. Nope, totally wrong. Yeah, yeah. So Yukiko's surprised that the message is, is so short, so she listens back to it again. As she's in deep thought, we see little Shinichi also. He, like, gets in a thinking pose, which is really cute. Oh, it was so adorable. <laughs> Yukiko is asked to solve the code and says that she doesn't know anything about it. However, Shinichi wants to see the tape, so she gives it to him. The editors begin to freak out due to the deadlines, and Yukiko mentions that Wakusei is planet in English. She thinks of the word planetarium and mentions that they used to meet there for dates. So we then see her riding her motorcycle to the Kojima planetarium as Shinichi plays with the tape, and the editors are all in a bunch of taxis following along. I love how badass this was, because Shinichi's not in a baby seat or anything. He's just, like, in the little sidecar. He's got his goggles on. Yeah, it's such a funny visual. And Real cool guy. There's definitely no baby seat made for sidecars, you know? Like, what are you doing, girl? <laughs> yeah. Doesn't seem safe. But that's just the kind of mom she is. Once she arrives, the employee there says that they don't have a display with the planets taking off towards the sky. Editors burst their way inside anyhow. And Shinichi walks up to a poster that says the nine planets spin around the sun. He gets his mom to walk over to it. And that's when she finds it odd that Yusaku mentioned ten planets when there are only nine. Aw, so, this is so dated. <laughs> yeah, now it's only eight. Yukiko mentions this to the editors who say he's not in the planetarium. She wonders if she should remove a character and that's when she gets the word plane. She says it's an airplane taking off into the night sky, and the editors all rush to the airport. However, Conan wants her pen, and she gives it to him. So what's the plane hint for? Uh Oh, yeah, with the, like, all things considered. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Because originally I thought that um, when she finally figures out, you know, that she has to open up that map or whatever, like, I thought it was... The spot where he was um, waiting was near the airport. Because that booklet, it, maybe that has something to do with planes. It's like the airport, I don't know, guide or something. A tourist guide. The editors and Yukiko arrive at the airport, but they don't see him anywhere and decide to split up. Yukiko says that Shinichi's dad is a real pain sometimes and spots her son using the pen to take out the cassette tape. Once removed, Yukiko finds 26 4D written on it. So that's the clue. So I'm just curious, since Shinichi figured it out, <laughs> but, like, what was telling her to unravel the cassette tape and, like, look at the tape itself? Because I don't get that from playing. Yeah, I think you and I are on the same uh, page in that I feel like this is a total accident. Like, there was nothing here that would indicate that she was supposed to do that. And how did he even get that on the tape and then manage to still have it work? I don't know. Maybe it was on the part that he didn't record or whatnot, but it just seemed like a total fluke. She takes a look at her map and finds the location, which is Tsubasa Park, which means Wings Park. So I guess like that's kind of a hint, like Wings and Plane, but I still don't get how otherwise you get to that location. Um, she then says that it has to be it, and she finds Yusaku there smoking a cigarette. Once again, cool. There's nothing cooler than smoking cigarettes, Colin. Yeah, remember that. Yeah, I'm gonna start smoking, like, eight packs a day to try and impress you. 
We're going to have lung cancer like one year into this podcast. Yeah, but as long as I'm impressed, that's all that matters. Well, yeah, you know, I'm a man with priorities. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Yusaka greets his wife, and then she asks if he has time to be playing around when everybody's looking for him. He says that he isn't playing around and that the manuscript is already finished, and he shows off like six different floppy disks and CDs showing he has all the work done. And he says that the editors are going to get fat the way they're going, so they could use some exercise. Easy for him to say. Skinny. Yusaki says that he, while he loves being a successful writer, the work never ends. He then suggests that the three of them go to Los Angeles. Hikiko says that maybe Shinichi will become even more famous than him, and Yusaku wonders if he'll be an actor. She says, who knows, and the three of them enjoy this nice little scenery at the park, this peaceful park. There's a beautiful night sky filled with stars, and that's kind of how it ends. And then Yukiko repeats her introduction, but she ends it by saying she's the mother of future high school detective Shinichi Kudo. It's a very short, very sweet little look into Kudo, into the Kudo love, if you will. What do you think of the the ten planets in the night sky? Um. Yeah. I mean, I found it was so nice to see uh, Shinichi as a little baby because I think we get like very sparse moments uh, throughout the series. So it was cute to see him in like his little onesie and whatnot, already solving mysteries. He's like a prodigy or whatnot. The the like clues themselves. I'm with you. I'm not really sure how we were supposed to get you know, from 10 planets to the tape, unraveling the tape, and then to the actual location. It just kind of seemed like it was all accidental. But anyways, I was I was along for the ride. And uh, it kind of made me wonder at the end when um, Yusaku was like, oh, let's go to Los Angeles. Did Shinichi grow up in LA? Because I know they have like a, another house there. I think he definitely spent time in L.A., but they, they definitely kept their Japanese residence. And I think they wanted him to go to school, ultimately, in Japan. Mm-hmm. But he definitely spent time in America. And uh, yeah. there's some cases that take place in America, like flashback cases. Yeah, which, uh, the New York ones. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, he grew up with Ron, so it was just like a little... Wasn't sure how long they were in L.A. before coming back. What did you think of the the short? Yeah, I thought it was a little cute episode. Um, like you, I like seeing Shinichi. I, I get what they were trying to do with the episode, which is like Shinichi was leading his mother along. And I guess I can't really fault it for being accidental when he's like two. You know, I don't expect yeah. like this great logic. Um, so he does help her even if the stuff's accidental. Like I'm sure he doesn't know what he was really doing there. And while I still don't understand how they got like the hints to undo the cassette tape uh, from playing at least still was a, you know, fun little episode. It's not, it's kind of hard to judge compared to like a regular episode because it is just like a little short interlude type thing on that special. But I I thought for what it was, it was a nice little thing to see baby Shinichi. That's like the real highlight is just seeing baby Shinichi rather than the, the story itself or anything. Mm-hmm. And depending on when you watch this, uh, I think it's a nice little either foreshadowing or callback to those episodes with Yukiko solving mysteries. She has whatever her nickname is, like the Lady of Mystery or whatever, or Lady Detective, I can't remember what it was. But uh, 
it's kind of fun to see Shinichi and his mom sort of partner up. Although I'm disappointed that she puts Conan down her shirt, but not baby Shinichi. No, no, no. <laughs> Although he probably would have fit better as a baby. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. So let's move on to the, the main event of our podcast today, which is episode 128. Ooh, the boy. Black Organization 1 Billion Yen Robbery Case. This originally aired December 14th, 1998. So as previously mentioned, this kind of is like one big retelling of what was episode 13, which was the strange person hunt murder case, which has them dealing with a woman named Akimi Miyano, and she gets shot by Gen, and then instead of dying, they have her live there, and uh, now they have to kill her off. <laughs> I, I don't know why I'm laughing. <laughs> That's not funny. I will say, this is, uh, I wasn't a huge fan of like how this was done, because they don't really acknowledge that like she's been there before you know what i mean yeah no i'm i'm with you there it kind of would have been nice if she showed up uh at least one other time so you made it seem like she was this person that conan actually knew because that that was a little confusing the first time i'd watched this episode and conan says oh yeah i know this person but we don't really get any indication of that other than conan telling us so it would have been nice to uh, see her a little bit or at least um, mention oh yeah she was in this case but I guess they kind of wanted to play it like that episode 13 never happened yeah and even him just saying he like knows her like that could just be from like from going to the bank for the past half a year or whatever she's been there and it, there aren't really any callbacks to her first appearance which is kind of strange and I wonder if that like you said they're just trying to pretend that uh People forgot about episode 13. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't, that's for sure. Yeah. Like, even that one case uh, that happened, like, there was another bank robbery case uh, a little while back. Even if she was in that, that would have been kind of a nice connection. So the Conan 10 for this episode is Jin and Vaka, and Conan opens the episode by saying, At last, Conan's adversaries appear on the stage. This smells like a big case. I don't know if it's that big of a case, but it's going to set up a big case at least. Yeah. I think the opening should have been like, we are owning up to our mistakes. Hey, we fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Here's the real episode. The episode begins with the Mori clan at the bank as Kegro collects a bank transfer for his work. Kegro is excited and he's bragging about how he'll, he'll get to have a midday drink. But Ron chides him and says they're going to have a midday meal instead. Kegra then goes to get a new bank book, and he approaches the teller, just completely cutting the line. And he's like, ooh, she's sexy. And uh, she just, he tries to, like, lay on some charm here, and she's like, take a number ticket. And he's so deflated there, and he'll be like, I'll see you later, baby. <laughs> like a flat-out rejection. Have you ever cut line oh i thought you were gonna ask if i ever harassed a, a female bank teller the answer to both questions though is are yes i mean whichever whichever relatable moment you want to go with <laughs> was at the same time <laughs> you know um i've done it multiple times now i've never done that but <laughs> leave bank tellers alone they have an important job yes they d deserve our respect Kenan then walks up to her and asks why she's been looking at her watch so much. 
She says that it's pretty busy and that she's going to take her lunch. Conan tells Ron that her name is Hirota Masami and that he thought she was a kind person. Kagura then freaks out when he realizes that the teller is left for her lunch and he won't get to see her. Very sad story. <laughs> it was also, well, the sad part is that was like the only comedy of the episode. Well, it's supposed to be a serious episode. A woman dies, Colleen. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm I'm just saying they they added Colleen's that, like, like pinch of there's comedy. not enough there's not enough comedy in this uh heart-wrenching <laughs> murder case. <laughs> Where's my where are my laughs? Conan goes outside while Ron and Kogura wait, and he hears a sound in the parking lot of glass breaking. He notices an armored car robbery going down and two criminals, one with a shotgun and the other holding a pistol, forcing a guard to transfer the money. Conan then spots two other guards knocked out when Ron and Kogoro exit and they loudly ask him, Hey, what are you doing there, Conan? And <laughs> he's like, bro, you just, you just totally ruined my spot. Yeah, the, <laughs> the art of being stealth by Kogoro. So this alerts the robbers who pull away in their car. Conan tells Ron to call for an ambulance and to call the police, then speeds away on a skateboard. I like how they don't... It, okay, so they just saw, like, this armed robbery happen, and then they don't even, like, protest this kid chasing after them on a skateboard. Yeah. Like, they have multiple guns. Yeah, when Kogro's always angry uh, about Conan running off or doing things or messing around with cases he has nothing to say here but we do get a chase scene out of it so i suppose we can't complain it's quite the chase scene kind of follows the vehicle but they speed through the intersection and they break through this railroad crossing that was going down conan tries to jump it and he barely avoids this train that goes by so he almost got hit by a train and splattered which would have been a real exciting end to the series <laughs> yeah that, that's the that's the close uh, I thought it was a really good shot. Kenan can't quite land his jump there, so he crashes on a skateboard and they get away. What do you think about the beginning of this episode? Um, I thought there was a lot of stuff going on, I suppose. Uh, like with the, the bank teller checking her watch constantly and so you already knew something was up there. And then when the... Uh, we actually saw the parking lot with the armored vehicle and the guy, one of like the guards um, transferring the money. Uh, that was already suspicious to me, um, like as if he was in on it or something. I mean, it kind of looked like they were holding um, guns to his head or whatnot to, for him to move the money. But uh, I don't know. It was just all fishy. Yeah. One thing... I I didn't really like about this episode compared to episode 13 was that they go so quickly into the case that they give the, like the main woman zero character. Like Conan says she's kind once and that's about the whole character moments she has in this case. Except till like the very end, we don't really get to see her interact much with anybody. We don't get a good feel for, you know, like how she is day to day. Like, I feel like compared to episode 13, we just don't really get to see her. We don't really care about her much. She's kind of more in the background for most of the episode. Mm-hmm. So you, you almost feel like they had to redo this episode. It's like they're forcing their way through it for the sake of plot, but they're not. They're, like, um, doing away with any type of characterization. 
Yeah, like, it seemed like they just had to figure out a way to kill her off, and they didn't bother to, like, recreate the emotional... Like, they tr- they tried to at the very end, definitely. But, uh, I don't feel like it hits as hard as the original does. But, uh, we'll talk about the ending mm-hmm. no, here fair. once we get to it. Megri informs Kegro that the robbers stole 1 billion yen, and that somebody leaked the information that the main branch was distributing money to other banks today. Conan remembered the license plate number, and he gives it to the inspector. Megary then says that he, luckily the guard's wounds were minor. A long-haired guard whose name is Kishi then explains that the armored car stopped when the windows were shot out. The guard then called the drivers but received no response. Conan isn't sure that all lines up, because as soon as he heard the sound, he looked and the transfer was already underway, so there was no real time for him to call the front seat, so... You mentioned it earlier, you seem kind of suspicious, so looks like he's in on it. Mm-hmm. Well, I found it, uh, actually, no, Conan's about to mention it, so I'll let you read it. Yeah, Conan plays his, like, dumb kid thing where he's like, oh, Kishi sure was lucky. Both, and <laughs> he says that, uh, both, both the windows of the armored car have smoked glass, so the shooters couldn't have seen inside, yet none of the bullets hit him or ricocheted inside. Conan says that it's almost as if they knew where the bags would be placed beforehand. So he's uh, doing his little kid thing to place blame on this guy. Imagine how frustrating it would be if you're like a criminal and this kid's like just implicating you constantly. You'd be like, shut up, kid. What the hell are you doing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but uh, I mean, we didn't see the next part, but none of the cops seem to really pick up on what Conan was laying down there. They're just like, oh, okay, good point. Let's move on, move along now. Kind of then here's Hirota getting yelled at by her supervisor for being gone during such a critical time. And she explains that she went for lunch. This was apparently not approved as the manager asks if her watch is not working. That raises suspicion of Conan. And that's when Takagi runs in saying that he's found the getaway vehicle. It's on the bank of the Tamuzu River, which is next to the TR Line Bridge. We then see Megari and Koguro travel over there to inspect the vehicle. Ron and Conan are instructed to go home. Of course, Conan snuck in the vehicle. Well, nobody noticed him. I, how do they not notice that this kid's with them? He's just that tiny. So imagine baby Shinichi. He could get into the Pentagon. Yeah, maybe they like tried to move to Los Angeles and he snuck into a plane back to Japan. Yeah. <laughs> We're introduced to... A character that we've seen a lot, this one uh, officer, we finally get to know his name, Officer Tome. He's there at the at the scene. Have you have you noticed this guy? He's in a lot of cases. He's not really distinct to look at. Yeah, he's like the forensics guy or something. Yeah, he finally gets a name on this episode. Yeah, he has, well, it's like the one guy with the glasses who always like comes around with a clipboard to say, yeah, we found this fingerprint on this weapon or whatnot. I didn't realize he had a name. I, I feel like this is the only time they use that name. Yeah, so shout out to Officer Tome. Uh, he tells Megary that the fingerprints have been wiped clean inside the car and that it's filled with five empty cases. However, they did find a mask and set of gloves on the driver's seat, and he's hopeful that they can get fingerprints from that. They then notice that Conan rode in the car with them, and Kegar yells at him. I love how they find out, because Officer Tomei's like, oh, hi, kid, or hi, Conan, or whatever, and they're just like, what? Uh, one thing I found, like, kind of fishy here was just, like, they get through all this trouble of, like, making sure there were no fingerprints, and then, like, a mask is left behind and gloves. Like, that seemed really convenient and, like, clearly setting up to pin somebody. Like, you wouldn't, like... Mm-hmm 
have nothing, no evidence except for this one just conveniently laid there. Yeah. And, like, as we discover further on with, like, what was on the mask, it just made it seem that much more like it was planted. Yeah, this episode really paints the police as really inept, especially as we find out how they just <laughs> roll the ending as, like, a suicide with, like, no question asked. And it's like, really? Oh, that bothered me so much. Yeah. So Conan mentions that there's something inside of the mask, and they note that there's a lip print made by pink lipstick. Conan grabs the evidence and he sniffs it. <laughs> what do you think of this? Sniff that. Um, I mean, at first I wasn't sure what he was going for um, by smelling it. He's just like, oh, and it ended up being the opposite of what I thought he was trying to do. Kogura punches him for being a creepy little guy sniffing women's masks. He's like, <laughs> that's not a bra, you little creep. <laughs> Let me show you how it's done. Yeah, Conan says this wasn't a normal robbery and that his premonition is correct. Later that night, we see a black car drive up to Kishi, and that's when we see Vaka, the black organization member, shoot him several times before leaving. We then see another man in his bed getting shot, and the killer dropping a container of lipstick behind. So we get to see the black organizations involved here. Were you excited to see them? Yeah, I was. It's been a while. Yes, yes it has. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I sound really excited, huh? Um, yeah, it was just nice to have some main story back <laughs> I almost feel like they should have reintroduced these characters, because they don't really do a very good job of alerting people to, like, hey, these are the main bad guys. They kind of just seem randomly thrown in here, and if you didn't know about them already, like, I feel like you wouldn't pick up on the significance. Yeah, that's a good point. Because you've got people, like, entering, like, or starting to watch this show at various points, so they could have totally missed out on that introduction. And wasn't there an episode a while back where Conan has, like, this random premonition of these two, and then that doesn't end up being important to the episode at all? So why couldn't he have something like that, that happen? So the last Black Organization episode was episode 54, the Game Company case. So it's been, like, double the amount of episodes since then. You know, like, it's been so long since we've seen the Black Organization. So there are definitely, you know, we went like two whole seasons without them. So there's definitely people that don't know, like, what's up with them. That is just really, yeah. they really could have done a better job of making that seem significant in the episode. At the very end of the episode, they do like, you know, do a little plot dump. But I, don't <laughs> know, I, I, I was just kind of not a fan of how this episode was kind of produced, especially since the original episode that they screwed up, like, really works well as a case. And it seems like they just, like, took elements from it and, like, didn't really take any care in how they packaged it. it was, mm -hmm. it's, it's just kind of frustrating. Yeah, and it's not enough that the Conan's hint was gin and vodka. Because you could have missed that Conan's hint, or you could have still been confused by who gin and vodka are. Um, yeah, so it kind of feels like, from what everything you're saying, it feels like this was just, like, half-assed because they had that one-hour special coming and they needed to get this right for that one. Oh, no, they have a two-hour special coming. Sorry, it's a two- oh, gosh, it's a two-hour special. Yeah, I wish it was one hour because then I would just be doing the normal amount of notes rather than double. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. For you. 
The next day, Kagura says that the guy in the bed was Shiro Kazuka, a former racer that served as the getaway driver. Conan asks how the police knew he was the criminal, and is told that there was a rough sketch of the bank in his apartment and a memo with the time of the robbery and the escape route on it. So that's also very how convenient. Kagura then reveals that somebody else was killed with the same gun last night, Kishi, the guard. He says that Kishi was a gambler with a huge debt and that he was an accomplice. His duty was to open the car doors from the inside, and they suspect the third criminal killed the others to keep the rest of the money. But Kegre says it was just a matter of time until she gets caught, as they found pink lipstick in Kaizuka's room, which was also on the mask. So that's when Conan's like, oh no, they're framing this nice lady that nobody knows anything about. <laughs> but she's nice. Like, I just really wish, like, Conan remembered her from the last case, and they just, like, referenced that, like... They could have, like, just had it, like, oh, you know, you know what, she, because she, you know what, she gets shot by Jen back then, too. So I guess I can't really reference it, because she's still working with them. Like, <laughs> I don't know, right. it's really. Is it Jen that shoots her, or, like, the other guy? There's, like, some random guy in that episode, isn't there? Oh, did they just replace him in that? Oh, gosh. Let me see. I can't, I can't remember the actual episode. I actually listened to the podcast episode to sort of remind myself of episode 13 okay sorry so there's a criminal mastermind named okita in that one and he shoots yeah, so her they totally removed the black organization from the plot okay so i think don't quote me on that yeah it definitely seems that way yeah so they totally replaced him i looked in the manga and it is uh jen and vodka's there so they confront mm -hmm. her they could have like still play i don't know i just feel like not referencing it it's kind of an insult to the viewers because people remember that and people know that, you know, you messed up and I don't know, just to not like just tie something up, like try to make it like, oh, she's trying to go legit or something like have her like tell Conan that she's trying to, you know, be a bank teller and, you know, live her life on the right side of the law and that she's thankful for the second chance she gave him. I feel like that would have given her more weight. And, like, Conan would initially have felt betrayed when he saw her involved, but then he would understand, like, by the end, when he finds out that she's trying to do it, you know, for her sister and stuff. Like, I feel like they could have done more with this episode to where, you know, there would have been, like, referencing it gives more emotional weight to it, you know? Like, she cheated death once, but she can't do it twice, you know? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they could have done uh, something more creative and add depth to her character. So that at the end, we actually feel for her. Like, we, I felt uh, emotional at the end, but it was more so because of what Conan was going through than what I felt for whatever her name was. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, Miano and I feel like since name. we both know the character that's going to be introduced, and you're like, oh, well, she obviously meant a lot to her, so you kind of feel for her for that thing. But, like, if you're just watching this for the first time, I feel like it's kind of underwhelming. For what the desired effect is. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I don't know if the writers thought this through. <laughs> no offense. Karen says that it must have been Hirota Masami's lipstick, and Kegro confirms that her co-workers have said it's the same lipstick. What a bunch of snitches. Yeah. Uh, so much for loyalty. He reveals that she pretended to go to lunch, and then she joined the robbery instead. Kagura says that she already left the bank after walking out this morning and had only been there half a year. 
so she must have always intended to commit a crime. Something bothers Conan, as he can't believe that she'd be so careless to drop the lipstick, plus the mark of the lipstick on the mask is wrong, as it's where her chin would be and not the lips. So that seems like really sloppy for the black organization. You feel like, because like such a pro organization wouldn't like, would be able to figure out where a woman's lips are supposed to be. <laughs> well, it's probably vodka that did that part. Never touched a woman. He doesn't come across. <laughs> oh my god, he doesn't uh, come across as the brightest. I wish her mouth would show me her mouth. <laughs> so vodka's voxel. No, he's incel. Incel. <laughs> There's no. He did not choose to be that way. <laughs> So, uh, there also wasn't the smell of cosmetics on the mask, so that's why I kind of was sniffing it like a little pervert. Yeah. Figure that out. <laughs> Lipstick has a, like, a slight smell to it anyway, so I don't know if he was expecting, like, the full-blown, all the other cosmetics that she could have been wearing. Also, does this mean that he smelled her earlier in the episode? That he, like, kept her scent <laughs> with him? <laughs> oh my gosh. Does kind of sniff everybody he meets? He might. He steals their voices. I wouldn't put it past him if he sniffs them. Looks up women's skirts. Conan decides that uh, evidence being planted in order to frame her, so he runs off, and he calls Megary, posing as Kogoro in order to get her address. Conan then arrives at her apartment and finds a key underneath the pot to get inside. He says that Masami's life is in danger and he's looking for a clue. He then finds an outlet hidden behind a desk and jars it open. That's where he finds a coin locker key, and he believes that it will show him where the money's stashed. Conan is then attacked from behind by her and is knocked down. And we get this scene where he tells her not to go and that she'll be killed if she does. And she just solemnly says, uh, thank you, and then asks for his forgiveness before leaving. So we definitely see that she's very conflicted here, and that she didn't enjoy attacking Conan. I mean, th that's something, I suppose. But it was still, it seemed really random, just like how he got to her apartment. What do you mean? Like, I just feel like maybe it was similar to what we were saying about the Ten Planets thing, where everything just kind of fell into place too easily. And granted, it is a one-part episode, and they had to keep this going and keep the plot moving along for the sake of uh, the actual continuity of the series but it's just like okay so he ends up at the apartment he happens to find the key and like she arrives there i don't know it was a little bit sequential and, and you'd think the police would be staking out the suspect's house you know well there's that too the police is just not doing a very good job right now uh conan is able to get up after she flees and he sees her exiting into a red car and this is a pretty cool part he uses his suspenders to fling a tracer onto her car, which is quite the little shot there. Yeah, so if there is one thing that we get out of this episode, it's uh, he's utilizing an array of his tools. We saw the skateboard earlier, which I, like we rarely see in the show, I find. Maybe, maybe we're going to see more of it. Yeah, so we, he uses his glasses to track her, and then he gets on his skateboard, and he's following the tracer. He wonders who is directing her moves, and that's when we see her pull into an empty warehouse. She pulls out a gun, and she tells whoever's there to come out. And that's when we see Jen and Vodka appear behind her, and Jen tells her good job before revealing that her real name is Miyano Akimi. So act shocked, because we definitely didn't have the same reveal 
uh, like a hundred episodes ago. <laughs> I I am shocked. I am bewildered. She asks why they killed the other two, and Vaka begins to laugh. Jen says it's merely how they do things and asks for the money. She says she has it stored elsewhere and that she wants her little sister like they promised, as this deal was so that Akimi and her sister could leave the organization. Jen says that he can't do that, as her sister is still used to the organization. Unlike you, your little sister is an important person in our organization. Oh. He says. What a burn. He aims his gun at her, and he asks where the money is, but she says he'll never get it if he kills her. He then says that she's the naive one, as he knows that she brought a coin locker key with her, and he just shoots her, leaves her for dead. They grab the key, and they leave. What do you think about this scene? Did you think uh, Jen and Vodka came across as, like, badasses, or what do you feel about their parents in this episode? So, I think Jin just, no matter what kind of situation he finds himself in, I will always consider him a badass. I don't know why, it's maybe just the kind of air he exudes vodka for some reason comes across as like the bumbling idiot even when he's you know apparently being uh, menacing it just doesn't work for some reason i don't know maybe it's the character design that is playing with my mind um but yeah i was totally buying it like i thought gin and vodka were triumphant i thought you know evil went over good yeah it was it was really bad yeah, and we usually don't get that in Conan. Usually, you know, there's a happy ending, and the case resolves nicely, and that just doesn't happen here. Conan arrives just too late, uh, he hears the gun goes off, and he arrives there finally. Uh, Conan blames himself for this happening, and he reveals to her, she's like, what's your name, little detective? And she says, I'm Conan. No, I'm Shinichi Kudo. Wow. <laughs> She says the rumor was true, and thankfully she's not bugged, or he would have gave her his way. He would have gave himself away to the entire organization there. Like, oops. Yeah, for someone who's very cautious about revealing his identity, he just didn't even think about that. As long as somebody's dying, he's like, I'll tell anybody. I'll tell John. John! I'm sorry, John. I'm sorry, John. So she says that the rumor was true and that the organization has killed both her and the two people she hired for the job. She tells Conan that it's a large crime syndicate and that she doesn't uh, know much about it other than that the organization's color is black. Everyone intimate with the organization wears clothing as black as crows, she says. Conan then remembers gin and vodka and a shiver goes down his spine. Uh, She then gives Conan the real coin locker key. And she says that she gave uh, the black organization a fake one and says that the real one is at Baker Station. I'll leave the rest up to you, little detective. That's her final words before she dies. And Conan calls Megara and he's like, yeah, this woman died. Look what you guys did. Your shoddy police work ended. What do you think about this death here? Um, I mean, it was necessary, I suppose. Uh. I don't know. I felt, I felt something in the moment. I think it, even though uh, I do take your points earlier about how we don't really get to know much about her, we don't really develop any sort of relationship with this character. But through Conan, like I felt kind of Conan's pain, uh, pain rather, and like just the way that, like the look in his eyes. I, like we all know that Shinichi doesn't like. When people die, I suppose that's a weird statement to say nobody likes it. I don't think that 
it's like Shinichi's all about, you know, justice and protecting uh, people against, uh, you know, corrupt bad guys or whatnot. And the fact that he wasn't able to do that for this woman, I feel like that really hurt him. And he might actually consider this a failure. Although I will say um, there is kind of a double standard to Shinichi's attitude there. Because people under his watch during cases die all the time, and he never gets too upset about it. But, like, other times he's like, I can't believe this person died on my watch. I'm practically a murderer. I drove them to this. And it's like, it's kind of weird how it's just selectively uh, used. Because obviously people have to die, like, during multiple, like, serial killer cases. But he's never really too shook up about that. But then, like... He's very clear on, like, driving people to suicides and no-no. He finds that just as bad as murder. But, uh, he definitely doesn't get that shaken up over murders that often. And this was a murder rather than a suicide. So, uh, mm-hmm. that is kind of interesting. Maybe it's because, you know, obviously it's by the black organization. So, that's, that makes it more personal. Yeah. Now, is this the first time that they're sort of referred to as the black organization? I know she said organization that wears black, but... Is that kind of the first time we're sort of getting that name in this in the show? I think so. It might have been in that episode 54, but we might have not had that okay. information yet just because she was probably supposed to say that way back on episode 13 and she just didn't. Yeah. So this is like a pivotal moment, potentially. Yeah. So it's definitely leading up to big things. After the ending song, it's revealed that only her prints were found on the gun lying beside her that the police rule was suicide, and that the billion yen was recovered. However, Conan knows the case isn't over, and he says that he'll never forgive Gen and Vaca. I'll definitely catch them with my own hands, Conan declares. Except after 1,000 episodes, he hasn't caught them. <laughs> so maybe Shinichi's not as good as I thought he was. Yeah. <laughs> so we get the next Conan's hint, which is cassette tape. So we'll have to keep an eye on cassette. You know what? That also worked for the Tim McClanus at the Night Sky. I wish a... I had actually reversed yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> Darn. But yeah, cassette tape awesome. next time. Damn, I was so close. I should have just stuck with my original order. Oh well. <laughs> yeah, I thought this episode was fine. Like, it definitely had its job of fixing that continuity error, which they did. Man, it's just... The whole thing just reeks of a missed opportunity, and like, the whole... Redo was unnecessary, and if you had to do it, I feel like they should have admitted that like she was the same character from before, and I just kind of don't like that they didn't reference this returning character, because she was definitely a returning character, she has the same name, like, I don't know, yeah. they, they definitely goofed up when they first made the episode, and it, it was hard to fix here, and I guess they do it. Um, one thing worth pointing out is uh, they did that episode one special, which just released in English- uh, recently, but they just use the regular death from episode 13 there, so they rewrite that whole thing, so it follows the manga. So this yeah, this is definitely like some alternate weird history thing compared to the manga and everything. Yeah, and I, I can see what they were trying to do. They were just trying to stick with the manga case as it was originally written, but, uh, I mean, the anime already takes a lot of creative liberties anyways with different plot points, so they could have totally been a little bit more creative and sort of just tied it to that episode 13 that they did anyways it probably at least in me for me it would have felt a little bit more complete and not like we have just these two episodes that kind of coexist and you're kind of just 
supposed to accept that they're both part of the canon, I suppose. Um, I felt like this episode compared to others, like it was tonally very different. It was more somber. It was sad. Uh, the ending was kind of like, even it felt like, uh, justice wasn't served. Like the police saying that it's a suicide uh, and that's how they closed the case just felt like, uh, like you wanted more for this character. Like, like it, does she even get her sort of redemption or like, is it ever, you know, a satisfying ending for her? It just kind of feels like she was left in the dirt. Uh, but I will say like, I liked a few of the kind of mystery elements, like the lipstick on the mask. I thought was pretty cool. How Conan, you know, showed us that, oh, it wasn't actually in the right place if it was for a woman. I liked, um, like the key, uh, the locker key switch thing that she did at the end. I thought that was pretty nifty. So, there were a few parts that I really liked. Uh, I kind of felt sad at the end, but overall, uh, like in the grand scheme of the series, um, I'm kind of with you. I wish I that they made a little bit more of a connection to previous the previous case. But uh, it does lead up to the two-hour special next week, so it does its job, and we will be covering that next week. The girl from the Black Organization in the University of Professor Murder case. So that also officially ends the Conan arc. Oh so no, moving. so sad. So we're over with that. Are you how just give me a, a brief like hype level. How excited are you going into this two hour special? We're gonna meet new characters. We're gonna see the black organization. It's two hours of Conan action. Are you are you feeling excited? Oh absolutely. Uh, I think the main story episodes uh, are pretty uh like they get you kind of intrigued as to what's going to happen because the show is predominantly filler so when you do get a main story you're like okay where is this thing going to go and especially how does it de-escalate because usually when you introduce something like climactic it kind of just has to build up from there but with Conan like they always manage to do like black organization stuff and then it just sort of like slips away and then we get back to the regular kind of programming if you will so yeah i'm I'm pretty excited yeah i'm also i don't really remember this very well so i'm excited to see how this all goes down and uh yeah i'm always excited for I had a one special more question what's your question yes i am single no no what's your question <laughs> okay now my other question uh so the reason why episode 13 was changed, uh, and I, I mean, this is what the wiki says. I don't know if you heard otherwise, is because they thought this, the show would only run for a season, like that Detective Cohen would only run for a season. But once the show picked up, I guess they realized they would have to redo that episode. I don't know if you ever heard a, dif a different story, but that just se seemed really odd to me, like as if they went into it thinking this wouldn't be a success. Yeah, it's, it's odd for a couple of reasons, because like I, like, I understand why they'd change it if they thought that was the case, but why adapt it? They were like, so, the manga was, you know, so far ahead that you could have done other cases. Like, it wasn't that crazy. You could have just skipped that. You had so many anime originals anyhow. Like if you if you're really worried about like not making it too <laughs> negative, you can just 
skip that and it's not a big deal. And then you could just adapt it later, you know, and do it faithfully. Um, I'm sure they wish they had done that. Um, but I guess they just thought, oh, let's just base it on this case. And that was a big screw up. But, you know, we got this. We're ready for the two-parter now. So oh, thanks yeah. for bringing up that Detective Cannon lore there. Behind the scenes action. But yeah. So What else am I here for? That's it. That's all. You contribute nothing <laughs> else. <laughs> I know. I know. But uh, yeah, so that'll do it for this episode. Two hour special next week. I'm very excited. Colleen's excited, so please join us. Uh, we may even have a returning character of our own to the podcast next week, <laughs> fingers crossed. And if he doesn't show up, then screw you, Kyle, for making me look stupid. <laughs> but <laughs> either way, we'll be back next week. Big episode. Plot development. We'll see you then. Ooh. Bye. Bye. And remember, one truth always prevails. <laughs>